Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What makes Mike Florio the expert? You're about to find out. This is Pro Football Talk Live with Mike Florio on NBC Sports Radio. Is that it? All right. I'm scared right now. Cam Newton is a giant human being. Uh, a six foot five inch frame, Peter, on top of that. And for those of you who are listening on radio or podcast, Cam Newton's workout video that he posted yesterday, shirtless. I mean, to be that, to have that kind of a build, that V, that thickness on a six foot five inch frame. Are you kidding me? I don't know what's up with his foot. I don't know what's up with his shoulder, but I'll tell you what. The guy continues to be one of the most impressive physical specimens I've ever seen in my life, Peter King. Yeah, I mean, it's that's a nice video, and obviously it shows that he's working out. But what does it mean? I mean, really. <laughs> and again, no, true. That's, the first, that's the first time that I saw that. So was it part of a 20-minute something that's available somewhere? I, you know, I don't know. My only point about this is we've talked about this a lot on this show, Mike, and that is until Cam Newton undergoes a lot of physical testing by a team, you know, and not by just an independent uh, uh, physician, in my opinion, until he undergoes a, 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 a thorough examination of both his foot, his shoulder and everything, and until Somebody has a long conversation with him about, hey, look, we have a starting quarterback here. We're not sure. We're not positive you're going to be a starter. How do you how does that fit with you? And maybe he just says, because, Mike, you know, what the smartest thing for Cam Newton is do nothing until August 20th. Someone's going to call you on August 20th because they're going to need a quarterback desperately. And you're going to go in and by October 1st, you'll know everything and you'll be the starter on that team. And maybe even before that, maybe even opening day. But I just think he is a different case. And everybody says, how can he not be signed? 
He can't be signed because he's got a lot of question marks around him right now. And I think those have to be answered before I throw a lot of money at him. You know, when you talk about Cam Newton, Peter, I, I get the impression that you think there is no clear starting job for him out there anywhere. I think the Chargers, again, if you can check him out and give him your own physical, not that bogus on the way out the door Carolina Panthers physical right. that they wanted him to pass and he wanted to pass. That means nothing as it relates to the physical that will be administered by a team that may sign him if he can pass that physical is he not an immediate upgrade over Tyrod Taylor for two reasons one football two business and the business is every bit as important when you're opening a new stadium and you can't fill it up with your own fans I agree Mike I totally agree all I know is that everybody who knows Anthony Lynn tells me that in and he's not just saying this that he not only is going forward with uh, Tyrod Taylor, but he's excited about going forward with Tyrod Taylor. So I'm not arguing with you. Tyrod Taylor is not better than Cam Newton. We know that. But Tyrod Taylor knows this offense. He knows this team. He knows his people. In what is sure to be a very abbreviated offseason, Anthony Lynn looks at it, in my opinion, <coughs> and this might change. But I think he looks at it and he says, this guy who we know and who's been in our system gives us a better chance this year than the guy who we don't know who's going to have a very abbreviated offseason with us. So that's, that's the logic there. I'm not saying that it's the smartest decision. I'm saying that's what I believe Anthony Lynn is thinking. Read into this what you will, but Tyrod Taylor recently posted a video of him working out with Cam Newton. So, look, Tyrod Taylor has been a guy who uh, is a starter, and then he's benched, and then he's passed around here, and he's passed around there, traded from the Bills to the Browns, and then the Browns are done with him. He goes to the Chargers. And and the guy has, has had a decent career. I just firmly believe that if Cam Newton's healthy, he's one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL, which would put him ahead of Tyrod Taylor. Let me ask you this, Peter. Because I saw Stephen A. Smith make this argument the other day, and I usually disagree with pretty much everything Stephen A. Smith says, but he's right on this one. The Panthers held on to Cam Newton for so long that it complicated his ability to land somewhere else. And I know what the Panthers were doing, right? Think back to early February, right after the Super Bowl. They released Greg Olson. No questions asked. He's free and clear. He's able to go sign with another team. He lands with the Seahawks well before free agency begins. They kept Cam Newton. Why did they keep Cam Newton? The message was, we want Cam Newton. And if you want Cam Newton, you're going to have to trade something to us to get him. And they, they held on to that hope of getting something for Cam Newton for so long that by the time they set him free, most of the seats are taken. He's got limited options, can't have a proper physical. Do you think the Panthers should have handled Cam Newton differently? You could argue that maybe they should have. But to me... The, the reason that the Panthers did this is they thought all along somebody would give a four for Cam Newton or maybe even a three. It's what the Cincinnati Bengals are doing right now with Andy Dalton. They know that they're not going to have Andy Dalton on their team. Okay, I mean, they should know. Uh, Joe Burrow's going to be their quarterback. But, but they're not releasing him because they want somebody. Bill Belichick... Uh, you know, Dave Caldwell in Jacksonville, they want somebody to give a three or a four for, uh, for Andy Dalton. And I don't think anybody is going to do that. 
So you try to do what you can. Is anybody going to give anything for Greg Olson? I doubt it sincerely. Uh, you know, he's old. He's been hurt a lot. He's flirting with TV. Why would you give up something? If he's on the street, maybe we'll take him and we'll see what happens. Cam Newton is a different story. And so I, I would have done what Carolina did, even though it's probably unfair to Cam Newton. And here's the thing. You know, they had the right to do it. That doesn't make it right per se, but this is one of the reasons why it's important to build into these contracts a trigger that forces a team to make an early decision. It's why Todd Gurley was cut last Thursday by the Rams. And I'm still astounded there are people who think that Todd Gurley was mistreated. He got $46 million over five years. If they hadn't signed him to a second 49, contract, he would have $49 million. $49 million. Uh, he, he would have gotten. He would have gotten. He would have gotten twenty-three million if they had treated him the way the Chargers treated Melvin Gordon by never giving him a second contract. The point is this: you put the devices in the contracts every year, not just the first two or three. Every year, Peter, five million dollar roster bonus due the third day of the league year or due the third day of the waiver period. You can build these things into the out years of a contract. Most agents, I think, assume that by the time we get to year four, five, six, it's going to be ripped up anyway. You can't assume that. You've got to get those clauses in there. And if there had been a $5 million balloon payment or a full guarantee of his full salary for this year that came due on the third day of the waiver period in February, he'd have been cut right along with, with Greg Olson. So th there's a lesson here. Understand that teams are going to do things that we're going to look at from time to time and say, well, that kind of sucks that they're treating a guy this way. You plan for it by stacking the deck in the contract to force the team to make a decision. If Andy Dalton had that in the last year of his contract with the Bengals right now, and I think he's only signed for one more year, possibly two. I think it's one. But if he yeah. had that language no, one more. that would have made – if he would, if it would have made the salary guaranteed by the first day of the league year, he'd have been cut a long time ago. And, and so, you know, look, we can say – that the Panthers should have treated Cam Newton better. We can say the Bengals should be treating Andy Dalton better. The bottom line is there's a way to counter this. You build it into the contract to force the team to make a decision early. You should have been an agent. No, thank you. No, thank you. Next Why? topic. Teddy, because no, no, trust me. <laughs> trust me. Teddy Bridgewater, the new quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, who is taking the place of Cam Newton with a three-year, $63 million contract. Not bad for a guy who has started six games since January of 2016. He was introduced yesterday by the Carolina Panthers, and in this day and age of the COVID-19 situation, the coronavirus pandemic, there's no press conference. We get to see him on video. Here's some of what Teddy Bridgewater had to say. You know, it's a unique situation for me. All I have to do is continue to be myself. Last year, you know, I don't want to speak on New Orleans. New Orleans too much, but when I was in New Orleans, I was behind the guy in the Greeks. And, uh, you know, I knew that when Drew got injured, I had big shoes to fill in. And I just constantly reminded myself to just be you. you know, be the best version of Teddy that I could be. And um, by doing so, it allowed me to be, you know, a better teammate, a better football player, and a better person in the community. All right, that's Teddy Bridgewater being introduced as a Carolina Panthers starting quarterback. Do you think he's ready to be a full-time starter again? He has two years as a starter. His numbers were never great with the Vikings. He was in the shadow of Adrian Peterson for much of his time in Minnesota. He had the horrific knee injury in late August of 2016. He started six games since then. One was uh, garbage time, check the box, give Teddy a chance to play. But last year, 5-0, and working with Sean Payton. That's a big investment, $21 million a year 
for a guy who hasn't played much football, is he ready in your opinion, Peter? I think he is, Mike. Uh, and I think one of the things that Teddy Bridgewater has shown is that when you show just enough to get people excited about you and to get people to think that you're the real thing, when you show that, then somebody is going to get really excited. And it only takes one. And Mike, as I wrote in my column this week, you know, at the start of this free agent period, you know, in, in by the middle of February, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a list of three quarterbacks and in order, the three quarterbacks who they wanted in free agency, one, Tom Brady, and deep down, they didn't think they were getting Tom Brady, two, Teddy Bridgewater, and three, Jameis Winston. So this was a situation where I think, I honestly thought, and I think the dance that that the, that the, that the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers had to play with Teddy Bridgewater at the end, with Bridgewater and his agent, they had to play this dance because they really weren't positive. They thought they were getting Brady, but they weren't positive. And they basically had to let him go on Tuesday afternoon of free agency week. And so to me, when you see that level of interest, Bruce Arians, uh, you know, Joe Brady, who obviously had him in New Orleans. So what do you think Matt Rule is saying? Joe, Joe, tell us what to do. And so when, when Joe Brady says, I want Teddy Bridgewater, we're going to be a playoff team with Teddy Bridgewater, I would trust Joe Brady, especially after seeing that he was with the Saints, so he knew him, and he was with Joe Burrow last year at LSU. I, I, think, it's, I think it's a no-doubter, Mike. Yeah, look, I, I, I agree with you completely, and I think what we saw from Teddy last year was what we were expecting to see from Teddy Bridgewater in 2016 before that knee injury, and it took a couple of years for the knee to get back to normal. It's amazing he's able to play after that injury, which was so, it was just it was as bad as a knee injury can be, and it's an inspirational story. He never gave up. He never felt sorry for himself. He kept pushing and pushing. He's been a great teammate, a great presence in the locker room. He's had a chance to play, and he's played well, and now he finally gets his financial reward, one that I never thought he'd get, Peter, $21 million a year for a guy that was 5-0 and last year and, again, hasn't played a whole lot of football. And he had the Vikings in position to beat the Seahawks in that open-air playoff game, the last game played outdoors before the new stadium was open. But for Blair Walsh, Shank, and the field goal, he would have been the one who took down the Seahawks dynasty in that wild-card playoff game. So now he gets a chance with the Carolina Panthers to turn it around. And, you know, pretty good division of quarterbacks. Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Teddy Bridgewater. You could do a lot worse in the NFL. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, and it's it's amazing when you think about some of the matchups we're going to see. I think one of the coolest things about this is, you know, you're going to see Tom Brady against Drew Brees twice this season, which is always, that was always a great, uh, you know, headliner type matchup. And so you're going to see that one twice. You're going to see Drew Brees against Teddy Bridgewater twice which I think obviously is very cool. So I think a lot of the things, one of the things I'm going to do when the dust is settled, Mike, is I'm going to write basically a column that is going to be about with the new landscape, 
here's what we now see. And I don't just mean, you know, the New England Patriots without Tom Brady now being the number three team in their division, maybe. And again, I, I, I have no idea what I'll say or write at that time. But there's so many things because the landslide of moves and signings in the last two weeks uh, that have ch totally changed the landscape of the NFL that have really made it a, a much more interesting league in 2020, assuming there is going to be a 2020. You know, I, I need to hang my head in shame a little bit here. While I was touting the quarterbacks of the NFC South saying that there are four great ones, there are actually five. I forgot. How could I forget Taysom Hill? You got to throw. We got to include Taysom Hill. He's your guy. Yeah. He's my guy. He's your guy, too. And he's going to be the backup, apparently, Sean guy. Payton says. The primary backup to Drew Brees this year. They're not going to go out and get another Teddy Bridgewater. They're just going to let it be Taysom Hill. Yeah, you know, the, the, one, the only thing that I would say about this is I think if the Saints, let's say the Saints had given him a second-round tender, you know, I would love, love to have seen the offers that he would have gotten. Maybe from New England, maybe from Jacksonville. Who, who knows? Maybe, who, who knows from where? But I do think that if it had been a more realistic uh, potential trade, then I think it would have been much more interesting to see. Once you put the first round tender on them, and, and, and again, I did think at the time that some, somebody was going to make him an offer, as did Sean Payton. He told me. In my column a month ago, I believe that Teddy Bridgewater or that Taysom Hill will get an offer in restricted free agency. But I just think when it came to biting the bullet and financially what it would have taken, uh, it was just too big a price to pay for teams. Let me say this. You know what? Uh, let's, I have a thought on this, um, but we need to take a break. Uh, we're going to talk coming up about what the Bengals' plan is for Andy Dalton, but I want to finish my thought on Taysom Hill and the draft and the prospect Good. of giving up a first-round pick for him in this draft. We'll talk about that next. We know more about sports than the guys who play them. Here's proof. NBC Sports Radio is back. Taysom Miller, restricted free agent with a first-round tender. Peter King and I were talking about his potential destination for 2020. It appears it's going to be the Saints. It appears no one is going to sign him to an offer sheet that would get him, number one, to accept it, number two, to get the Saints not to match it. But, Peter, the thought I had as we were discussing this, given that the information that is being gathered by teams this year in advance of the draft is uh, incomplete at best, would that make a team more willing to roll the dice on giving up that first-round pick, knowing that the chances of, of getting the guy that you feel incredibly confident about with that spot, especially later in the round after, you know, the no-brainers come off the board, you get down into the 20s, will the team be more inclined to maybe part with that pick because they can't do the workup that they ordinarily would and they're not going to have the level of confidence in that pick that they would in any other year? Mike, it's an interesting question, but I think no, because it's not the first round pick. It's not the top 50 guys who you're worried about right here. It's the fifth and sixth and seventh round picks. Those are the guys you're worried about because in many cases, I remember in my early years covering the NFL in the 80s, 
Wellington Merrill was once telling me a story that Roosevelt Brown, who turned out to be a Hall of Fame tackle, the scouting report they had came from a preseason football magazine the year that they drafted him. They didn't know much about him. They know that they, they knew that he was a good college player, but they didn't have all that information about him. And so they picked him without really knowing very much about him, but that's the way the draft was in the old days. And I'm not saying that that's what this is going to be, but all I'm saying is that there will be picks in the fifth, sixth, seventh round this year that teams will say, this is a dart at a dartboard. We really don't know. Taysom Hill, too much of a chance to use the 23rd or 27th pick uh, of, of, of the draft on when you know those guys who you're going to get, you've done, you've thoroughly evaluated all those guys. You've met them at the combine. You've met them somewhere. So I, I think that's a little bit different. And another thing too, when we get to rounds three, four, five, six, seven, you could have some teams that choose to punt that pick into next year. And you know the teams that feel confident about their evaluations, they and, and you may be able to snag those picks cheaper than they would be in other years if there's a team that's like. I don't know who to pick right now because we didn't get to do our full workup. Let's just parlay this into a pick next year. Somebody else swoops in and gets the guy they want. It's going to be a fascinating draft for all of those reasons. We're going to take a break. we got a Friday draft of most intriguing remaining free agents. We'll do that next right here on PFC Live. Coming up later tonight, NBCSN Hockey Week in America continues. Three games, playoff heroes, 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and midnight Eastern time. So it's not the full game. It's trimmed down to make it uh, move a little bit more quickly, but a look back at some great games of the past. And starting next week, Peter King, Football Week in America on NBCSN. Monday night, the Manning Bowl, the original Manning Bowl from Sunday Night Football in 2006, and also a Peyton Manning-Tom Brady clash from 2013, Broncos-Patriots. If I recall correctly, that was Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, I may not recall correctly. We'll find out on Monday night when we see it. All right. We're drafting the most intriguing available free agents. Peter King, you get the first pick. Of all of the players left on the board in free agency, we're going to select the ones we find the most intriguing. Who do you have? Jameis Winston is number one for me because I think that if I was a coach and felt like felt that I could have sort of the tough love of Jameis Winston, you know, if, if I could have tough love working with Jameis Winston, I'd really want to give that a shot. He's got too great a downfield arm, and he's been too productive a player, except for his decision-making. And, and again, that's a huge except for. But I'm fascinated. I would just love to get him on my team. And I would love it. Look, you listen to Bruce Arians this week. Did you hear in one of his interviews that he has called two coaches? And I don't know who they are. I, I really don't know who they are. But who knows? Maybe they were Doug Marone and Mike Tomlin, although I doubt it was Mike Tomlin. <laughs> but but maybe they were two coaches with a need for a quarterback right now. And I am fascinated by the potential long-term of this guy because he's been so productive and he's still so young. Hey, if I was Arians, I'd be doing the same thing. I'd be pushing Jameis Winston on any coach outside of the division because if the Saints ultimately decide they want another Teddy Bridgewater-type veteran backup, Winston makes the most sense. Get him out of my division. I don't want to have to face him. <laughs> yeah. Last year, the Bucs got 
The Bucks got shredded by uh, by Teddy Bridgewater. I'm sure that's one of the reasons why he was on their wish list. Teddy Bridgewater had a great game against Tampa Bay last year when he was filling in for Drew Brees. All right, mine is Cam Newton. Because if Cam Newton's healthy, he's a top 10 quarterback. He's a 2015 NFL MVP. He's making a late, a late arrival onto the free agent market. And we recognize it's going to take some time before a team can do a proper physical. They're not going to have some neutral outside doctor take a look at Cam Newton because he's got the foot issue. He's got a past ankle problem. He's got the shoulder injury, Peter, that last year caused him to change his throwing motion. So I would want to be able to completely and totally poke and prod Cam Newton to make sure he's healthy. But my goodness, if he's healthy, he is intriguing. He's one of the best quarterbacks you can get, and he's going to be motivated. We had that workout video earlier. He said they gave up on me in reference to the Panthers. He's going to be driven to have an incredible second act of his career. He still isn't 31 yet. I mean, we got Tom Brady and Drew Brees playing into their 40s, and I don't believe that Cam Newton will play into his 40s. He may not play past 35, but that's still four or five more good seasons. So I am very intrigued by what Cam Newton can do once he gets not a Carolina Panthers conveniently uh, past physical but a physical that he's passed with a team that has fully and completely examined whether or not he's truly ready for the physical demands of playing in the NFL. Yeah, I'll go with my second pick now, Mike. We've we've probably exhausted the Cam Newton ideas. My second pick is going to be a surprise pick. Normally, I might say, give me Jadavian Clowney, but I don't want to pay Jadavian Clowney 20 or $21 million. I just don't feel that he's that. He's an intriguing player. But I don't believe I'd make him a rich, intriguing player. I'd want him for 15 or 16. That could take a couple of months. Uh, my second pick is going to be Prince of Mukamara. And look, this is a game right now that relies on getting as many good corners as you can. Okay, two years ago, Pro Football Focus had Prince of Mukamara as the seventh best cornerback in football. He slipped a little bit last year, but still, the great thing about Prince of Mukamara. He's, he's going to not be a shutdown corner. He's going to be a competitive, feisty corner. You're not going to be completing 70% in his area. You're going to be getting a guy who's an above-average NFL corner in a value contract. I first be, I know he was a first-round pick of the Giants, but he first became uh, well-known in the NFL circles. Do you remember how and why, Peter? Do you remember how we, we first really no. became aware of Prince of Mukamore? When JPP threw him into the cold tub, remember that video from several years ago? Oh, just, yes. Just yeah. carried him in yeah. and threw him into the cold tub. And he had a hard time with the Giants yeah. early on. Uh, just the whole hazing and just pre-Richie Incognito Jonathan Martin days. Uh, I think uh, the Giants players gave him a hard time for whatever reason, but he's still going strong in the NFL. That is an intriguing pick. And you've left Jadavian Clowney on the board for me. I feel guilty taking Jadavian Clowney. I don't care how much money he wants. The question for this draft is how intriguing are they? And he is intriguing because of his potential to wreck an offensive game plan if he's healthy. But just like Cam Newton, I need to know that he's healthy. And maybe if he languishes long enough on the market, I can steal him for one year with an incentive-heavy deal where I don't have to pay him unless he plays and unless he performs. And then he's set up for his big payday next year if he can make it through the 2020 season healthy. So for me, it's no question. I still have images seared into my brain 
of how well he played that Monday night in San Francisco against the 49ers. That was the night the sports hernia started to flare up. It affected him the rest of the year. But he was incredible on that Monday night game. If you can get that guy for just a handful of games in the season, that may be the difference between playoffs and no playoffs. I think it's a great pick. I just, you know, I don't want to pay him 21 million bucks. And no matter how intriguing he is, he's not signing for in the mid-teens right now. So, you know, I guess it's semantics. My third pick is going to be Everson Griffin of the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, to me, this guy has been a steady Eddie pass rusher for the last eight years or however many years it's been. He's one of the most dangerous pass rushers in football. So his last year and a half or so with the Vikings, problematic, had some issues off the field, as everybody knows. But I think he's got his life in order right now. He is he he's he knows that probably this is his last chance, you know, to to really make an impact and make real money in the NFL. Someone's going to give him an incentive-laden contract, Mike, and be very, very happy by November when he's third in the NFL in sacks. Yeah, look, that's a great choice. And I almost took him before Clowney because this guy who he he has been a sack machine. He's been one of the past best pass rushers of his generation he doesn't get the credit he deserves and he's a great leader I think that his departure from Minnesota hurts that team more than anyone else's other than maybe Stephon Diggs but Griffin is a guy that that defense has rallied around for years and he will be missed uh, in Minnesota and uh, somebody's going to get a very very good player and a very very good leader in Everson Griffin all right hey look I may be fracturing the rules slightly, but this is most intriguing available free agents and restricted free agents are still free agents. And we've talked about Taysom Hill already. How can we not have Taysom Hill on this list without question? He's intrigued. You can't I'm give telling this you, up. you, I can't give it up. Give this up. It is intriguing. You are like the I'm dog. In- you're like, you know what you're like? You're like Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren's dog with uh what what he had his mouth around a taco or something and they couldn't get him to let it go so finally they said well better just let him eat it you know that's what you are with Taysom Hill (laughs) well let me eat my taco and leave me alone you agree with me though especially if he stays in New Orleans 2021 he's gonna be the starting quarterback and Sean Payton is gonna turn him into a star yeah Well, the only reason I wouldn't include him on this list is I wouldn't exactly call a free agent someone who's going to require a first round draft pick compensation. So I I don't know. I I, but technically he's a free agent. So go ahead. Yeah. And and look, I don't think anybody's going to make that offer. And here's why, too. First, you have to get him to sign the offer sheet. And, And that's what is fascinating to me about this. If he stays and waits a year, he cracks $20 million with the Saints. Easily, easily cracks $20 million. They may have to use the franchise tag on him next year to keep him from walking away to another team. But if a team would try to sign him now, they're not offering him $20 million, Peter. They're going to they're gonna offer him a contract commensurate with what he currently does. So he's going to blow his chance to be the Saints' starting quarterback by taking a deal that would allow him to continue to be the jack-of-all-trades for someone else. That, to me, is the biggest reason why he's not going to sign an offer sheet and leave the Saints. No one's going to put an offer on the table that he's going to say, oh, I have to take this because it's going to fulfill my dream of becoming a franchise quarterback. Mike, you're absolutely right. If, if, if you know 
that there's a 70% chance that on opening day 2021, you're the quarterback in the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton with Michael Thomas to throw to and Alvin Kamara to pitch to. Why in the world would you choose to go anywhere else? And that, to me, is one of the really, really big reasons why there's no way in the world I would, I would do that. Can I just give you an honorable mention, extra sure. guy? Like, I, I mean, to me... Bill Parcells, a long time ago, he, I think he started this cliche. The most important part of, of ability is availability, okay? To me, the most intriguing person in recent NFL history who's a free agent right now is a cornerback by the name of Brandon Carr. And everybody said, Brandon Carr, he's, just, he's been on Dallas, he's been on Baltimore, he's never been a big star. You know what Brandon Carr has been? available. Brandon Carr has eaten up more than a thousand snaps. Think about this. More than a thousand snaps, 12 years in a row. Okay. So in my opinion, if I'm looking for a guy who's, even if he's going to be my third or fourth corner and I got to pay him what? 4 million, 5 million this year. I've got the greatest insurance policy at cornerback. And by the way, a mid-tier the last couple of years rated cornerback on Pro Football Focus. You know, not the not Xavier Rhodes rated, uh, you know, very low. I would take Brandon Carr and I would love that pick. And I'd love him to come to training camp to teach my young corners, son, this is the way it's done. Hey, I got one for you in a similar vein, Peter. Logan Ryan is available at corner. There was talk oh, last that's year a at great one point. Pick. Great defensive pick. player of the year. He's missed three games in in uh, seven NFL seasons, and he's got that winning pedigree from his time with the New England Patriots. And uh, he's the guy. Isn't he the guy who who delivered the dagger to Tom Brady's career in New England? Yes, he with is. The pick six. He's at the, the end. Of he's the, the guy who caught game? the last pass. Yeah, he caught the last pass, that last pass from Brady, obviously. You know, and Mike, how shocked would you be, not very, if you saw him sign with the Patriots two years, nine million? I mean, uh, the, it, one of the reasons why the Patriots handle free agency in these weird trades, like the Kyle Van Noy-ish trade, where you're basically trading... Uh, you know, a fifth round pick for Kyle Van Noy in a seventh or whatever that was. You know, that's where the Patriots really make hay. And they turn these guys into really good players. How thankful, by the way, must Kyle Van Noy be to the New England Patriots and to Bill Belichick and to Brian Flores, quite honestly, for putting him in position to be a great player? Mike, I voted Kyle Van Noy as one of my all-pro linebackers last year. And now he gets a, whatever, $56 million contract with Miami. And all I'm saying is that I want to know on Bill Belichick's grease board right now in his office or right now in his home office, which is where it has to be. I want to know on his grease board, I want his 10 guys right now that he is waiting for the market to cave in on. And which is in it's in the process of doing. And then he's going to swoop in like a vulture and he's going to take the low cost guys, let's say the week of the, the week after the draft. Maybe even a quarterback who's two and old all time against the New England Patriots. That would be Cam Newton. And that is the corner square in PFT bingo. That's one of my favorite 
favorite stats to point out, and I don't think that Cam Newton fits in New England, but that that's the kind of idea. The longer this process goes, the financial demands drop, guys become available, and Belichick swoops in and bargain shops and gets value, dollar for dollar, better value than anyone gets in free agency. All right, we've got to take a break. When we return, anybody who pays attention to the NFL knew that Todd Gurley was going to get cut by the Rams. One person didn't see it coming. You'll be surprised to find out who that was. We'll tell you who it was right after this. trying to trade Todd Gurley. That culminated in an effort on Thursday to unload his salary. They ultimately cut him because he had another $10 million in guaranteed compensation that vested as of Thursday night. And we all knew that it was coming. We'd been talking about it for months. We knew how the contract was structured. The one guy who didn't apparently was Todd Gurley. Peter, he told Chris Long of the Greenlight Podcast, I didn't see it coming. How could he not see it coming? Now, it's a great contract for him. We've talked about that earlier. We talked about it last week. He did not lose $49 million over five years with the L.A. Rams, but with another $10 million becoming fully guaranteed and the Rams unable to find a trade partner because of that knee that has deteriorated by all appearances over the past couple of years, yeah, they had to cut him. They had to move on. I don't know whether he's embellishing or whether he was just oblivious but how could he say that he didn't see this coming when anyone who was paying any attention at all knew that a divorce was inevitable for Todd Gurley and the Rams unless they worked out some alternative deal and that wasn't happening either Mike I think when you play for Sean McVay you play for basically a guy who's Pete Carroll Jr. in terms of don't worry be happy you know, and everything around here is positive. Uh, you know, everyone is lovely. It's always a sunny day. And in my opinion, that sort of creates the kind of reaction when something like this happens that Todd Gurley basically now talks about. In other words, if he truly never saw it coming, and that is hard to believe, but if he truly never saw it coming... It's because he never got one single indication of that from an uber positive thinking coach like Sean McVay. And that's an excellent point. And you'll wonder what kind of impact that has over time on the rest of the locker room when they see that this guy is always interacting with everyone in a positive way. But there goes Todd Gurley. There goes this guy. They're shopping Brandon Cooks. And, you know, and, and it doesn't mesh. And at what point does some of these other guys say, does he really mean what he's saying to me? Or is this just part of the effort to get the absolute most out of me until he's done with me? And then when he's done with me, he's just done with me. I thought it was intriguing. The Rams had wanted to talk to Todd Gurley. I thought they wanted to work out something where they could get him to stay. And Gurley wasn't inclined to talk. He said on March 8, it depends on what the conversation is about. I'm more of a guy where if there ain't nothing to talk about, then there ain't nothing to talk about. But if we got something to talk about, then we can talk. Coach has my number. So he had, like, no clue that there was even anything that was remotely amiss. So maybe you're onto something. They never gave him the vibes that the rest of us obviously picked up from the outside. But from the inside, he felt like he's still his guy. Mike, do you remember the game last year when Sean McVay, on the sidelines, took off after John Fossil, the special teams coach? It was a game against Arizona where John Fossil uh, called uh, a fake punt, and that fake punt got blown up by the Arizona Cardinals. And Sean McVay was furious because he thought it was a risk that wasn't worth taking 
against the defense that that punt team had against it. And, and that was a little bit of a sign to me that Sean McVay says, you know what, you just can't trust everybody. You know, at some point you have to say, hey, listen, be a little bit more responsible. And it also makes you wonder, you know, underneath the facade, great guy, nice guy, likes to repeat your name to you when he's talking to you, right? He's, he's got all the Dale Carnegie tricks down pat, but there's a fire just like all the rest of them, Peter, there is a fire that is burning below because there is an intense competitive nature like all coaches. All right, we've got to go. Coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern today on NBCSN, Mike Tirico hosting Tokyo Olympics Dreams Live On, talking to the athletes affected by the postponement of the Tokyo Olympics by one year due to the coronavirus situation. Everybody have a great weekend. Thank you, Peter. We'll see you back on Monday. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.